Welcome to the Forward Church Podcast. We're so glad you joined us today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our latest episodes. Now let's get ready to dive into today's message. We know you'll be blessed. Continue a four-part series that I launched. We've been in this series now for, this is going on four weeks. Um, We're going to conclude this today. I've been talking about the second coming. How many of y'all have been with me through this series? Amen. I hope it's blessed you as much as it's blessed me. God has just spoke and done a work in my life through this series. Um, last week, I, I, don't, I don't have time to recap the whole thing, but last week we dealt with the signs of the times. You know, you, the Bible says we don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. And we know the season according to what? The signs. And what makes our generation so significant and so different than any generation before us It's not that the signs are taking place individually, but it's that they're taking place all at one time. There are so many different signs that are taking place all at one time. And I said everything, we can talk about a dozen and really dozens and dozens of different signs in these last days, but everything falls into two categories. One is there will be an increase of wickedness in these last days. Jesus warned us of that. Men will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. They will be handed over to all of these false doctrines and things that tickle the ear. And and so there will be an increase of wickedness. But on the bright side, there's going to be an increase of spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's going to be a revival break out in these last days. There's going to be latter-day glory poured out upon the church. And so today I want to follow up that message with this message. I want to be ready for revival. I want to be ready for revival. I don't know about you, but I want my heart and I want my mind And I want to be looking. I want my eyes. I want to have spiritual eyes to see what God is doing in these last days. Psalms chapter 85 is where I'm going to be taking my main text today. I'm going to read verses 1 through 6. Let me set this up. The children of Israel have been in exile. They've been, many scholars believe this was written right after the Babylonian captivity. They're coming out of exile. God has delivered them. But when they came back to their city, they came back to their land. How many of y'all know they didn't come back to a land that was already rebuilt and everything was fine and dandy? They came out of exile, they came out of captivity, and they came back to a land that was still in, in ruins. And this was a prayer really that come out of that, that time and that season. Psalms 85, beginning with verse 1, it says this, You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people and covered all their sins. Notice that the psalmist begins with forgiveness right here and restoration. See, that's where revival, revival begins with forgiveness and restoration. The banner verse of Christianity over the past few years has been this God, hear us from heaven and restore our land. But the beginning of that says, if my people would humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways and seek my face, then I will hear them from heaven, forgive them of their sin, and heal their land. It begins with restoration and forgiveness. Yet you set aside all your wrath and turn from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God, our Savior, 
and put away your displeasure toward us? Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through generations? And here it is. Will you not revive us again? How many of y'all will say, God, revive us again? How many of y'all feel like the world and even the church is in need of revival in these last days? God, will you revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? And let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Amen. Rejoice in the Lord always. Rejoice. There's joy in the house of the Lord this morning. I speak that in Jesus' name. There's revival in the house of the Lord this morning. God, bless this word. Bless this message. Let your anointing flow me through me this morning, God. Let these words pierce the hearts of this congregation, God. Let us not leave here the same way we, way we walked in, and we give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. You can be seated. You know, I, I really, I've had this day on my heart for a long time now. I've had this day on my heart because I feel like God is doing something significant on the face of the earth today. It is unlike anything we've ever witnessed before. It's un unlike anything we've ever seen before. I see what's happening on the college campuses around the world today. I see what, hap what happened on um, the, the, the campus of the University of Auburn or Auburn University here a few weeks ago. And, and I see all these students being baptized. I see what God did last week through uh, See You at the Pole and, and, and all the FCA and, and the meetings in our, in our local schools. And I'm, I'm telling you, God is doing something significant on the face of the earth today. And there, while there's also an increase of, the world is being thrown into more and more chaos. And while the world is becoming more and more wicked, God is raising up a generation. God is raising up a church. God is raising up a standard. God is raising up a remnant, a people that doesn't care what the world thinks about them, that doesn't care what the world says about them, that doesn't care what the world even, even really doesn't care about their, their uh, status, if you will, or their, their po uh, popularity. But all they care about is, God, I want you. God, if it's revival and if it's genuine, I want to be a part of it. And see, I want to be a part, I want to be a church that's a part of what God is doing in these last days. And the psalmist comes in praying this prayer of restoration, forgiveness, and revival. And he prays the prayer by understanding something first and foremost. Revival comes from God. Revival comes from God. The very prayer in and of itself, it recognizes that revival is not man-made, but it's God-given. What we're experiencing on the face of the earth today, it's not man-made. It's not man-made, but it's God-given. I don't produce revival. You don't produce revival. Nobody on staff here produces revival. No evangelist that you follow produces revival. No TV evangelist that you watch produces revival. Nobody that you listen to on podcast produces revival. Have I hit your toes yet this morning? Because see, a lot of times, and I'm about to preach this morning, whether you are ready for it or not. Y'all got to help me out this morning. See, here's the thing. A lot of times, a lot of times we seek revival in man because we think Revival comes from man. But revival does not come from man. The very essence of the prayer this morning that I read from the book of Psalms says, Oh God, 
that you would restore us and would you please revive us, it recognizes that revival comes from God. But it doesn't negate the fact, somebody say, uh-oh. Uh -oh. It doesn't negate the fact that man has a responsibility to seek for and to pray for revival. I've never seen a people who are hungry and thirsty and desperate for God that God didn't meet their desperation. I've never seen a church that was passionate, that was desperate for God come in and wholeheartedly seek him and God forsake them. I've never witnessed that because God, when he says, when you seek me, you will find me. If you ask, I will give it to you. If you knock, the door will be open. I never read a scripture in the Bible where you say, God forsook his people. And see, when we come into a setting like this, and we're expecting, and we're hungry, and we're thirsty, that's when God can come in, and he can restore, and he can redeem, he can renew. Every sense of desperation will be filled in the presence of God. So we have a responsibility this morning. Look at your neighbor and say, you got a responsibility. I need you to punch somebody and say, wake up right now. I'll take a praise break for 30 seconds and I'll call the praise team back up here and we'll sing revival again. Amen. We'll sing it for another 30 minutes if we have to. You think I'm playing. But a lot of times we don't understand that it's our responsibility to thirst for it. If we're not thirsty, you can't expect to be filled. If you're not hungry, you can't expect to be filled. God's not going to sit there and just say, okay, I'm pouring it out whether you want it or not. Here it is whether you want it or not. God's not going to pour it out on somebody who's not desperate, who's not looking for it. And a lot of times we come into a setting like this and, we're, and, and where's the desperation? Where's the hunger? Where's the passion? Where's the zeal? And that's why I've led up to this Sunday. See, I've been preaching this series. I preached on those seven churches uh, two weeks ago. And I talked about a church who had everything. He said, you think you're rich. You think you have everything you need. But actually you're poor because you're missing the one thing that you actually need, which is a demonstration of the Holy Spirit in the midst of, of, of her people. Because the demonstration of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that will set the people free. Not a man-made religion, not a man-made doctrine, not a man-made move, not the wisdom of a man. So it recognizes revival is not man-made. But it also recognizes that one may and should pray for revival and pray with a godly expectation. We're not commanding God to move. We're earnestly asking God to move, but we're also expecting it at the same time. In other words, don't pray for rain and not bring your umbrella. I've been praying for revival. I've been praying for God to do something among his, amongst his people like we've never witnessed before. I come down off the platform in the 9 o'clock service and I looked over at somebody and I said, well, that was better than last week. And I'm looking at the congregation in the 11 o'clock service and I'm still debating that. Come on, somebody. Because I'm still looking for a people that comes hungry, expecting, willing, anticipating. See, I'm not talking about just coming and checking a box saying, I came to church today, praise God. 
Man, my niece, my nephew, my, my sister, my aunt, my uncle, my grandpappy was getting baptized today, so I just come to see that baptism, and, and I got to endure this, this, this spitting, hollering, sweating preacher up there for 30 minutes on the platform. No, God's got a divine appointment with somebody in the house this morning. And what his desire is for you is to set you free from everything that has ever held you back, from God's plan and purpose in your life. Oh, that you would revive us and restore us again. See, the psalmists, they, they, were, they were restored. They were, they, they were set free from their exile, from their Babylonian captivity. But here's the thing. They come back to a city in ruins. And a lot of us today, we say, praise God, I've been saved. Praise God, you've been saved. You're on your way to heaven. I'm not saying you're not saved and you're not on your way to heaven. But some of y'all are still living in ruins. Some of us are just okay with just being saved and just riding that good old gospel ship. But I don't know about you, but the church is not leaving this earth on a stretcher. I, I don't believe that Jesus came, died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of the Father, sent his Holy Spirit to be a, an empowerment to me and to you for the church just to leave this world on a stretcher one of these days. I'm not expecting a church that's just limping out of this world, that's just dragging her feet with a tail tucked between her legs, but Jesus came so we can have life, life everlasting, victorious, be an overcomer, be a conqueror, What is revival? What is really revival? And I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something. Revival is not what you expect. Because every single one of especially if you've been in church for a long time, you've got a preconceived notion of what you think revival looks like. And I'm not saying God is not going to do it that way, but I am saying if you think you've got the market on what you think revival, don't be a Moses smiting the rock when you're supposed to speak to it. Don't think just because God did it one way back then that he's going to do it the same way now. What I am saying is just God, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. And if that's your heart this morning, he'll feel you. If that's your desire this morning, if you can earnestly and, and, and honestly say, I've come in here and said, God, whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like, God, I don't care. I don't care. I just want you. I just want you. And see, a lot of times we think revival is supposed to look a certain way and sound a certain way. But I'm, I'm praying that today that what we experience in this house doesn't stay contained in this house. I'm praying that what we experience today overflows into our community, into our city, into our home. I'm expecting to get some phone, uh, some phone calls tonight from, a, uh, from, a, from some small group leaders and say, Pastor, I don't know what happened, but in the middle of our small group, in the middle of my living room, in the middle of our patio on my back porch, the Holy Spirit began to move in my small group. All the kids, they just stopped. They stopped playing and they just come up. My daughter was baptized in the Holy Ghost. The students were just laid out slain in the living room. Ron, I'm expecting a phone call tonight. Some students are going to be baptized in the Holy Ghost. I'm believing for revival. We are in it. If we could, Siri, this is not for you. We are in it if we could see it. We, can, we are in it 
if we would open our eyes and realize revival is, here, here's what it is. Revival is a unique season where the Spirit of God is helping you do something in a supernatural way. Amen. Revival is God's Spirit poured out upon all people in order to accomplish something that you and I could not accomplish on our own. Let me tell you, I don't really have time to get into a sermon that I preached a long time ago on revival. But and I wish I had the notes on this because I got a really good little, little line in there and I'm going to try to remember it revival is not just a series of church meetings where you pay an evangelist all your money and that you start getting everybody else's church people to come to your church for about four or five days and then you just get a couple of Holy Ghost goosebumps and then you leave here and then everything returns to normal after the, the series of meetings that's not revival Revival is a season where God is doing something supernatural in his people and through his people to accomplish something that has everlasting spiritual fruit and results even after the meetings, them, meetings themselves are over. Where's the proof of this in God's word? I'm glad you asked. We're going to look at that, Acts chapter 2. There's a man by the name of Peter, Simon Peter. You ever heard of him? He's a pretty cool cat. He was a... Uh, following Jesus for three and a half years of Jesus' public ministry. Toward the end of Jesus' public ministry, Simon Peter does something that was very unusual. He denies the very even knowing Jesus and, and being associated with him or his followers. He actually denied him the moment, the night before his crucifixion. And all of a sudden, Acts chapter 2 the day of Pentecost has fully come. All the believers were gathered together in the upper room. Now, the, I would make a note of this. Thousands upon thousands heard the command that Jesus gave before he ascended into heaven, go and tarry in, in, in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I don't know how many started out in the upper room on, that, on, the, on the first day, but I would guarantee you that little by little, Second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, that it sort of kept dwindling down. Probably dwindled down a little bit. They might have started off with a thousand people up in that upper room. But that ninth day come around, nothing. But all of a sudden, that tenth day, that tenth day, and all of a sudden there came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the room where they were meeting and praying together. And then what looked like tongues flames of fire set upon each of them and each one of them was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spake in other tongues as the Spirit gave them to utterance and the Bible says they flooded the streets of Jerusalem and you had people there from all different nationalities speaking all different kind of languages and they heard the disciples coming into the streets speaking in other tongues praising God proclaiming all the goodness in their own different languages and they all thought they were crazy. And then that same Peter who denied Christ, who said, I don't want nothing to do with it, who even cursed and said, no, that's not me. I'm not that person. Here's that same Peter. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Does that sound like you? Look at your neighbor. Punch your neighbor right now because I'm doing my best to keep y'all all awake this morning punch your neighbor and say is that you would you stand up in the crowd ask yourself would you stand up in the crowd you're going to do it in Walmart you're going to do it in Greer's students you're going to do it in your school 
I've seen some students doing it in their school. I think some of these students are showing us, showing us adults out these days. When we embarrass, we don't, we don't want to, I don't know about that. I'm going to dip out on that one. Students are saying, I don't care. Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews, all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully what I say. These people ain't drunk. Oh, that's, that's JLT. That's the Justin Living translation right there. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon who? All people. He says, your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit declares the Lord, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above, signs in the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and glorious day of the Lord. What's that talking about? It's talking about the last days. It's talking about things that's going to happen during the church age. What's the church age? Do we need to back up and rewind in the series? Now, these are things that's going to happen in the church age. All of this is going to happen. This is what the prophet Joel prophesied. And Peter's standing up. And he's saying, this is, this is happening. This is happening. But he goes on to say, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Meaning this. There might be more and more wickedness brewing out in the world today. But I'm going to tell you, there's people that's calling on the name of the Lord. There's people who's crying out to God. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you whose lives God is moving in. It's, it's, it's the ones that's calling out. It's the ones that's open, opening their mouth and calling out to God and saying, God, I'm desperate. God, I'm hungry. God, I'm thirsty. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something. He's got to have this. But before he'll have this, He's got to have this. Well, pastor, I've given him this. Well, give him this. Give him this. Because he's Acts 1 and 8. I closed with that scripture last Sunday. You will see, you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. You know what this is? This is God's promise to us. It's God's promise. I make promises that I don't come through on sometime, amen? I'm just going to be honest with you. Jaden asked me a question. We'll do it when we get home. Do we do it when we get home? Not all the time. Sometimes between Thu Sackley's or Chick-fil-A and home, he forgets about that. Amen? Yeah. Still waiting on good air. But if God promises it, and God promises God the Father promises his children good things, does he not? He says this in his word. If you being evil know how to give your children good gifts, how much more does the heavenly Father know how to give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. But we're like, God, I know you got good things for me, and I know you got promises and all that, and I know they're all good, but uh, I'm good. I'm okay. That's all right. Don't worry about it. You've got enough on your hand. And see, that's what a lot of us do. We come into a church setting like this, and we just think, okay, all right, I'm just here. 
I'm here to check off my box. God don't want to do anything with, no, that's a lie. God wants to do something with you today. God wants to do something with you today. I don't care how young you are. I don't, I, don't care how, I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. God wants to do something with you today. And you've got to get that in your mind. If I could, if I could come and hit you over the head with this a few times, and it, would, and it would get into your mind, I would do it if I knew it would work. Because so many of us, I believe, we're missing out on the promises that God has for us because we don't think it's actually for us. It's for you. And God's got good things for you. As a matter of fact, his promises and his plans for you is better than your plans for you. And if you really want revival, it's for you. So number one, it's his promises. This was, this was that that was prophesied. It was promised by God. The Holy Spirit spoke through the prophet Joel. He promised it. If he promised it, it's going to come to pass. Not only is it, is it his promise, but it's his power. Where does it come from? God, what did I say? Revival doesn't come from man. It comes from where? God. It comes from who? God. The Holy Spirit and the power to be witnesses is, is his power. It's not my power. It's not by my, my, it's not by my power and my might but it's by his spirit, declares the Lord. And I want you to understand something today. Come on to the keyboard. Here's the thing. It's not that, it's, it's not that I'm going to be, God's not going to push himself. God's not going to force himself on you. God's not going to make you do anything that you're not willing to do. The key is, if he's got power for me, I want it. I want it. I want his promises. I want his power. I'm open, God. I'm ready, God. Not only is it his promise, not only is it his power, it's his pouring out. God said, I will pour out. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons, your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Upon my servants, upon my handmaidens alike, I will pour out my spirit, declares the Lord. Men, women, sons, daughters, every socioeconomic level, every millionaire, and every welfare person. It doesn't matter who you are, where you can. It doesn't matter who your mom and daddy is. It doesn't matter where you were at last night. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter what you came dragging in God's house this morning. You might be hungover from all the drugs that you popped up last night. But God can set you free. God can deliver you. God can restore you. God can redeem you. And I don't know why I said that. There's power in the name of Jesus. We've got some testimonies around here about some people who's been set free, redeemed, delivered. And last but not least, it's not only his promise, it's not only his power, it's not just his pouring out, but it's for people. And not just for people, for all people. It's for you, it's for me. It's for my sons. It's for that next generation. It's for the sake of the world. It's for the sake of our city that is in desperate need of deliverance and revival. It's for that drug addict out on the street out there that the world has nothing for. 
It's for that homeless person up there in Tillman's Corner that doesn't know where their next meal is coming from. It's for all those women down there in the home trying to transition out of their past into the new life that God has for them. It's for every student at Bryant High School. It's for every middle schooler at Alba and Grand Bay. Every elementary student at Dixon. Castlin. It's for this area. It's for Bayou Labatry. It's for Grand Bay. It's for Irvington. It's for all people. But I want you to understand something. It's only going to come to those who are willing. Do you want it? See, here's the question you've got to ask yourself, and I'm closing with this question today. Why not us? You want revival in the land? Why not us? Why not me? Why not get so full of God in this service today that when you leave here, People can't help but to see the anointing all over you. Why not allow the presence of God to be so evident in your life that people, you don't even, you don't even gotta say nothing. People just come up and say, I just gotta, I just gotta know what's different about you. Something's different about you. Or you can see, you can say, why not us? Or you can just sit back and say, I'm just here, pastor. I'm just ready to get out of here. As soon as you say stand, I'm probably gonna walk out of those doors. That's your choice. But that's, that's a choice that, that if you make, could totally miss out on everything that God has in store for you today. Again, it's all Him. It can happen anywhere, any moment, Anytime. And I'm I'm crazy enough to believe that now's the time. See, I'm gonna go against what I actually feel in this service. What do you mean by that? I feel like that the majority of the if the descent I'm not saying one hundred percent I'm just saying if I took a poll in here, there would probably fifty percent of the people just like, uh, yeah, okay. If you'll just pray, if you'll just dim those lights, I'll get out of here. But what you don't realize is that you're who I'm, you're who I'm after today. And not only are you who I'm after today, you're who is who God, you're, you're who God is after today. God's after you. God wants to do something in you that you never dreamed possible before. Any addiction, any shame, depression, anxiety, it has to flee in the name of Jesus. So what's the altar call today? Simple. Salvation. Pastor, I'm saved, okay? You might be living in ruins. They were delivered from exile. They came back to a city of ruins. You might be, your life might be in ruins today. Restoration is here. I'm looking for some people that does more than just a head nod. 
head nod. Restoration's here. Amen. Last but not least, I'm ready to see some people baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other, other tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Pastor, you're just one of those tongue talkers. Listen, it's not about the tongues. We'll take a line for, I don't know who come up with it. I know who I heard it from, but I ain't going to give him credit. When I go shoe shopping, I go for size 11 shoe. And I seek after, and I'm shopping for the shoes. And the tongue comes with it. I don't go look, I don't go, I say, I want a size 11 tongue. And a lot of us, that's where we've got it all misunderstood. We sit there, God, fill them, baptize them, and we're waiting on the tongue. I believe in Acts, he, he said something about, he says, when the Holy Spirit came on you, he said, you'll, you'll prophesy, is that right? He said, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. They spoke with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance when the Holy Spirit was poured out in the upper room. But when Peter said this, he said, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my Spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. I'm going to be bold right here. Listen, I'm not about man-made theology, and I, I love the church of God. And I'm sure we're live streaming this. I don't really care. This, that, that tongues is the only sign of the baptism and the only evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, 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 can't, I can't stand on that. I really can't. They can take my license from me if they want to. I don't really care. Because I've seen people prophesy. I've seen people give words of wisdom, words of knowledge. It's, it's all a sign. It's all a gift sue me I don't care I, that's, that's where I'm at today I'm dangerous when I get like this y'all don't understand I'm dangerous when I get like this I called out Calvinism in the 9 o'clock service I did I, I, it was, it, you should have been there it was, it was awesome it was, so, it was so tense in here <laughs> seek after him don't worry about what's going to happen. But if you'll yield your heart, yield your heart first and then give him your mouth. You better watch out. There's going to be some people full of the power and the authority of the Holy Ghost. We're going to flood these streets. We're going to turn this city upside down for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Everybody stand. Everybody stand. We hope you've been blessed by today's message. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date with our most recent episodes. To find out more, visit us at forwardchurchonline.com. There you can connect with us, learn more about our ministries, and submit any prayer requests you may have. We hope you join us again soon.